welcome to the stage the man you have never seen before and has not coached you for this response at all. Please welcome John Hastings, everybody! It is the second Sunday of Edinburgh 2017. That means all the dicks have gone home. Only cool dudes, right? Yes. Fuck yeah, this is the best day of the festival. It's always Sunday, it's always good, because it's people that actually are here to see shows and not people who are here to do coke near a castle. Uh, who was out and about last night? Cheer. Listen to them, sad, horrified. <laughs> The things they saw, a man fucking a lizard, a woman performing an abortion on a cat. It was carnage last night. It was insane. I uh, host a show at the Gilded Balloon called Late and Live. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but they market it as, it's the most notorious late night. They literally say, come see the comedy meat grinder and those that can survive. And every year I say, could you not say that? Because that makes it seem like I'm going to kill my friends if they don't make the audience laugh. And the audience last night was the worst. Now, I look like I'm a bully, but I'm not. It's just that I was bullied as a kid, and some of their douche DNA got into my skin, and this is my cross to bear. And I like that you guys kind of like, he does look like a bully. Is this a trick? Are we all about to be wedgied? Um, and so what happened was it was just a room full of bullies. Someone yelled pedo, which on the list of British things you guys yell, I think is my least favorite. <laughs> Because if, you know, the last five years in terms of some of the legal things that have gone on, there were some people you guys could have yelled that at, but you never yelled it at the people that were actually pedos. <laughs> the Jimmy Savile thing, a lot has been said, but I think it's a weird thing to say, but the moment I always remember is my dad came to visit. I had just moved to Britain in 2012. Weird time to move to Britain. I moved the day before the Olympics. I moved to London the day before the Olympics, which if you're going to move to London, that was the time to do it. They shined that city up and made it presentable. They moved. Like Traffic was flowing well. No one was angry and all the police had sniffer dogs that were beagles at every tube station. So you were just assaulted by cute, adorable doggies. Oh, it was so much fun. Everyone was just smart. This is Britain. We have Union Jacks and everyone's friends, except for Scotland and Wales with England. But ask us no questions. And, <laughs> and David Cameron was just the guy that fucked up the Lib Dem party, not the guy that set Britain on the path to becoming future Russia. It was an amazing time. Do you remember when Boris Johnson was just the mayor of London and a man who didn't have a good haircut? <laughs> Oh, what a time it was. No one knew who Theresa May was. Jeremy Corbyn just looked like the guy who worked on the Labour Party allotment. What a time to be in Britain. It's so different because it was five, yes, five years. And it, um, how did I, why did I start this anecdote? Thank you. It's a weird thing to shout, but that is... It got, it got, it's even weirder to say thank you. It's a very good point. Thank you. So uh, then the Olympics happened. I came to the Fringe. The Fringe that year is the first time that the audience attending the Edinburgh Festival halved. 50% of the people that usually show up didn't show up. Uh, I saw a very famous comedian crying in an alley. Uh, I can't say who it is because I told him the story a year ago and I met him again. And he went, have you been telling people that story? And I said, no. <laughs> oh, I had been. And I'll give you a clue. He has been on television. Anyway. So, and then I went back to London. I just moved to London for the first time now. I come from Canada, and Canada has big cities too. We have a reputation of just like, it's just Ice Flows and Celine Dion and Justin Bieber's family. But we have, we have the fourth largest city in North America, Toronto. It's amazing. It's now as expensive as London, but unlike London, you, um, uh, it, um, no, it's pretty much exactly the same. Every other city hates it for no reason at all. It has culture to the point that it's heedless and needless. Do you want to see a Moroccan uh, mariachi band that is silent because they're also mimes and it's underwater? Yes, they have two different versions of it. One was the original. The other one is the corporate one. Which one do you want to see? 
Like I, I truly believe that you should cap cities. Like cities, they reach like a cool apex, cool, and then they kind of lose it for a little while. Like I feel like Manchester is now building up to that. You go to Manchester, and there's cool rock clubs going on, and like the comedy scene is always like, you want to go to the show? Is it at a comedy club? No, it's at a music warehouse for equipment that we've broken into, and the host is a clown, and he's been dead for five years. And it's just, it's sort of that right side of hipster where everyone has a job that's really unnecessary. Like oh. Oh, what am I doing? Well, I'm working on an app for your phone that tells you if your phone's a phone, and <laughs> and that, and like and the, and the food. Like you go into restaurants when you go into a bar that basically you know the city is reaching too far. As you, when all the bars start having exposed light bulbs, then you're like, no, shut it down. <laughs> Edamame is not an everyday hors d'oeuvre. That is something you have rarely, and you go, what? This is delightful. Sea salt. Have you guys had an edamame? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, fucking a, it's just a great way to eat salt without being judged by your friends. And there's this place in London that does it and they put butter on the edamame, so you're both, you just get to eat butter and salt, but everyone thinks you're being healthy, but you're certainly not. When you're having to wash your hands because they're slick with butter, like you just churned. That's how you make butter, by the way. I think you didn't realize how posh the crowd is. What? Churning butter? Not me. I just, wake up, I just wake up in the morning and Alfie, my houseboy, has prepared me a lovely tea and toast. Uh, anyway, so it's 2012, moved to London, and it's right after the Olympics. And who here is a Londoner? F just, just two? Oh, we're in trouble, guys. <laughs> we're going to get all the shit that they ever fucking else gives London people. They're going to just ask us questions about the tube. I know... I Here's my fucking problem with it. They all say fuck London, and yet you know where they say fuck London? When they come to London and yell at us about it. If you don't like London, fucking stay in Nottingham. Oh wait, you can't, because it blows. Now, <laughs> oh by the way, if you're here from Nottingham and you're about to say, how dare you? <laughs> Are you from Nottingham? Do you live in Nottingham? Live in Nottingham. Defend that. <laughs> Defend the city. I've defense aside. <laughs> The only thing you can say is very modern train station. <laughs> That's how you know your city is in trouble. How is the city? Oh, this, both a Costa and a Cafe Nero. Just saying. Um, anyway, so I'd moved to London. And London afterwards had that sort of weird Olympics hangover where everyone was like, remember when we were happy to be British? And now it's just back to self-loathing and alcoholism with a, a sprinkling of knife crime. And then... <laughs> The Jimmy Savile thing broke. Now, this was, I was weeks into living in Britain. I had no context for who Jimmy Savile was. I kept having to have it explained to me. And then my dad came to visit a month into me living in, in London. And it was really, really nice. And we were walking by. And uh, on the cover of The Sun, about a, about a week into the scandal, was just a photo of Jimmy Savile with a fat cigar, red circular glasses, and that fucking creepy flowing perm long mullet hair and it just said pedophile question mark <laughs> and in the middle of Kensington my father just pointed and went yes <laughs> who is that John and I was like he was a children's entertainer and he went fuck <laughs> my dad is the biggest Anglophile of anyone I, Anglophiles are people in Canada and America that love Britain it's, it's very strange, and I think it makes everyone who lives here very, very uncomfortable. I've lived here for five years. His love of Britain makes me uncomfortable. Like, he goes to Buckingham Palace every time he visits. Have you, you've lived in London how long? Uh, about 12 years. How many times have you gone to Buckingham Palace intentionally? Never. Never. <laughs> it's also a really letdown as a castle, right? Like, it just looks like a weird, like, bunker for Elton John's army. <laughs> It's a very politically incorrect joke, but it's a very hard thing to make fun of because in the end, it's just an ugly, weird building with an odd gold thing in front of it and men with the weirdest hats. Why, what is that tradition? And why is no one judge the, king, uh, the Queen of England for still making sure that there's two people in bear hats that do a lot? Like, how much does the changing of the guard cost every day that they fire a cannon when a guy's shift is done? I have had to go to it because my dad goes. He's like, we got to go to the changing of the guard. Well, you want to see some people walk like they're Nazis? I'll do it in my, in my garden and I won't have to get up at seven in the clock in the morning. And here is who's there every time I've gone. I've gone twice. It's me and my dad. I'm having a coffee and literally wishing that Elizabeth was in that car with Diana because I fucking hate being up that early. Because, <laughs> I, listen, I have a job where I don't have to deal with the commute 
that all of you have to deal with. And I apologize for that. It is a superiority, and I'm sorry, but I chose a better job than the rest of you. For the simple reason that I lack job security, I have no retirement plan, I have no pension, I have no insurance. But I can count the times I have been in a British morning commute seven times. And every time I get 10 minutes in and I go, how are there not more murders? <laughs> and I'm not just talking, London is crazy. The craziest one was Birmingham. Because Birmingham, it's walking. It's not on public transit. It's just a giant crowd moving from Birmingham New Street into the city center. And it's brummies, fun, sweet, bored people. <laughs> How Birmingham is the second city of England, I'll never understand. There's nothing fucking there. There's a shopping center, that bull statue, and a fat homeless woman who tells the police to fuck off every time I'm in Birmingham. She's in the bull ring, usually across the street from the shoe zone. If she's not there, she's in front of the big Tesco's. Anyone here from Birmingham? Fucking go visit. I guarantee you'll see her and go, he was fucking right. And I know you're saying you're not necessarily supposed to describe someone based on their body size, but when you see her, you go, yeah, that is her distinguishing quality. <laughs> and also, I have an utmost respect for someone without a home who still can maintain a, uh, a weight that is over obesity, because that shows that they're very good at the circumstance life has given them. I know that's not the most fucking polite thing to say, but if you actually analyze that for what it is, she is getting not necessarily the most nutrition, but she's taking care of business, and for that, I commend her. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with what she's doing. I think that we have social, I think social programs should be put in place. I come from Canada where they can't have a homeless population because we have this thing called winter, also known as homeless people go bye bye So they have to provide social housing. England, you guys go a different way, which is I guess you like your homeless people wet and angry. <laughs> You know, it was, the, it was summer this year for the first time. It's been summer every year I've lived here, and you guys make the same joke every fucking year. Oh, first summer since 1976. And I go, no, it's not. There was summer last year. That's why we all own shorts, you fucking idiot. And you always all got angry at me. I can feel it right now. I go, no, we don't have summer. No, you don't have summer like other... Thank you for saying it's true. I appreciate that. What a beautifully London thing to say. That is true. I won't give him the dignity of a laughter, but he is correct in that assumption. <laughs> What part of London are you from? South. South. North. We'll never be friends. <laughs> Even if we wanted to be, just that you don't have that kind of time. Because <laughs> you live in Nottingham. What's the furthest away you can live from someone and still be in Nottingham? Uh, about 10 miles. Yeah. It's madness. <laughs> Here's the fucked up thing about London. You could live 10 miles from someone and that's still a three-hour fucking commute to see them. <laughs> And depending on where they are, there may be nothing in between. Like in the north, there's where I live, Finsbury Park, and then there's Kilburn. And as the crow flies, that's like a mile and a half. I don't know directions at all, so that's, it's not a mile and a half, but let's just say it is. But in between that, uh, between those two things is Hampstead Heath and a giant hill. And there's nothing there but horses owned by rich people. I started biking in London, by the way. Anyone here cycle? Just one, two. You cycle in London? It's fucking great, isn't it? Everyone thinks you're so fucking badass and it's actually a lot easier than you realize because all the buses are on your side because they don't want to watch you die in front of them. <laughs> it's fucking great. And you've never fucking lived more in your life than you take Trafalgar Square at five o'clock on a bicycle with no helmet. Like you literally feel like you're jumping out of a plane without a parachute. <laughs> Like, I, a policeman gave me a thumbs up because I ran a red light, and I was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to get crushed by this lorry. And I saw there was an old woman who was about to do the pedestrian walk, and she was going to do it in such a way that I would have to go to make sure the traffic wouldn't be flowed, but I would have to kill her with my bicycle to do it. <laughs> so I just ran the red, and I was like, well, that cop's going to pull me over, and he just went, mm, and I was like, well, up is down, down is up, by the way. <laughs> Speaking of cycling, because I cycle, I met Boris Johnson. That's a weird segue, but fuck it, it's improvised. The show hasn't started yet. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, so I cycle, and one of the big challenges when you cycle, especially because I cycle to train stations and I take trains to other towns, and then I'm like, whoa, what's up, Slough? Who's ready to laugh? None of us. Okay. It's Brexit has made comedy very interesting because there's a lot of towns that just assume I'm coming there to be like, how did you guys vote in Brexit? Uh, racist cunts. Now, I don't believe that anyone who voted to leave in Europe did it for racial intentions. I think that they did it because they were lied to by big government or 
most of what I found of all my friends that voted leave, they did it because their parents voted to remain. And those people, I want to chop their hands off and beat them. Like, I don't know any old person who voted to leave Europe. I know a shit ton of 22-year-old comedians who did, who lied about it, but then told me because I'm Canadian so they don't think I will share their secret. No, fuck you. You voted to make the money that I've hard-earned worth half as much as it used to be. I used to be able to go back to Canada with a currency that was... Two, uh, can, uh, one pound was $2.50 in Canada. I spent one Christmas taking Ubers everywhere. <laughs> it was so much. I've never been wealthy in my life. And for one month, I was literally like, steak on everybody! Like it, I don't know why it was, that was my garish rich person thing that I was throwing steak on everyone. But listen, the money went to my head. Brexit. Cycling in the London. So Boris Johnson. So one of the big things, I thought I'd lost the thread, but I fucking found it. And I know you thought I couldn't do it because I saw you lean forward, ready to tell me where I was going with this. <laughs> so one of the big things in London, I don't know, you find it hard to find places to lock up your bike? No. Where do you commute to? You go from South London to Trafalgar Square? Where do you lock up your bike in Trafalgar Square? Private Pri That's fucking cheating, mate. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, la-ti-da, Mr. Richman. <laughs> what do you do for a living that you have access to a private basement in Trafalgar Square? Um, I'm a graphic designer for a cinema company. Well played. <laughs> Who else was thinking government? <laughs> yeah, they all were, but you can see how they didn't say, because uh, they don't necessarily believe that graphic design thing, but I do, because I looked at the t-shirt and I went, funny t-shirt, graphic designer, 100%. <laughs> Is that Superman having a panic attack? Yeah, he should have a panic attack. All of his movies have been shit. <laughs> Are you like a big comic book guy? No, not so. Do you like Superman? You've heard of him. <laughs> I think you are the most London man I've ever met in my entire life. I cycle to my private basement where I'm a graphic designer. I will give you no for sure answers. I live in South London. You don't live there? Fuck you. <laughs> well, unlike you, I don't have access to a weird James Bond-esque bunker. It's, it's not your fault, but thank you for apologizing. My Canadian influence has rubbed off on some Londoners. So what I have to do is I have to lock my bike on the streets like a scrub. Or when I go to uh, train stations, you have to use their train station bike garage area, which is no rules. Bikes locked to bikes. Just children screaming that are locked to a bicycle to guard it. It's insane. And Paddington is the worst one because there's, like, there's nowhere to lock your bike that isn't a fence you're not allowed to lock your bike to. So people work all over the place just lock their bike there. They also, people have abandoned bicycles there. It's a huge problem that I learned about because I had a train delay and I started talking to a train employee. I don't know why. I didn't care. But he looked like he needed to chat. Because as I was locking up my bike, he went, hello. And I was like, how's your day? And he's like, not good. We got to figure out which one of these bicycles are abandoned. Because there's a lot of abandoned bicycles. And it's causing a real problem. I've been yelled at it a, a lot today. I really don't like it. So if you can make sure that your bicycle is gone by tomorrow morning, that's very good. Or maybe assumed abandoned and we will lock it and throw it out. And I was like, that is a lot of information that you provided me for no reason. Um, and also, who would leave their bicycle? Anyway, so I lock up my bike and go, and then Paddington's the fucking worst. Sometimes there's just nothing to do, and you're like, what am I going to do? Bring my bicycle on a train? Like one of those people everyone hates because they're wearing those shoes that are open-toed. Do you know what I mean? Those ones that look like gloves for your feet. <laughs> if any of you own those shoes, I would like an explanation as why you think those should be worn in public. Because every time I see someone with those weird toey shoes, I just want to step on their feet. Like, fuck you for judging me. I do. Have you seen what I'm talking about? Do you know what I mean? Sandals. Not sandals. No, no, no. Not to confuse it. Brother, I love a sandal. I'm a white straight man. How else do I tell people I'm on holiday? That's how you know a white straight man is on holiday. He puts on sandals no matter the weather conditions. You're in Alaska. Yes, but I am on holiday. So... Um, no, I'm talking about, you'll see them very occasionally. A lot of yoga people wear them, hikers wear them. And it's like, so it's like a glove for your feet. So you see the toes and it's all exposed and stuff like that. It's awful. Thank you for not, you know what I'm talking about, brother? Do you know what they're called? No, they're, they're fucking horrible. Thank you so much. <laughs> and in your accent, it really fucking hits at home. <laughs> it's that beautiful English judgmental, horrible. <laughs> what is your name, my man? 
Callum? Yeah. Where are you from, Callum? Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> you get some shit for that accent in Manchester, don't you? <laughs> like, I, I get shit for my accent in the north. And it's just because they're just like, where are you from? And I'll say Canada. And they're like, ugh. My sister lives there. We haven't heard from her in 30 years. I don't know what has happened in the north of England, but the Manchester... Manchester and Newcastle, everyone's sister moved to Canada and has never contacted them again. I don't know if that's code for they disappeared or code for do you want to buy drugs, but it's like every single one, where are you from? Canada. My sister went to Canada when Thatcher was elected. She's dead now. Uh, Thatcher or your sister? Thatcher. Anyway. So I went to Paddington one day and it was right before Brexit. It was right before. And I was panicked. Because I was like, listen, I've lived in England long enough to know that English people specifically can be dicks. And also, they also just believe the first thing that you tell them and they roll with it. How else do you guys still have a royal family? You are a giant atheist country and your head of state is someone who was picked by God to rule over you. And none of you have even thought about that. You're just sitting there going, how dare you say that about Liz? She's nice. <laughs> What do you look like in a gown, huh, Hastings? Actually, quite fetching. I was a drag queen for six months, all right? I'm, I was in drama school. There was an audition for it. They were paying a thousand, uh, thousand Canadian dollars a week to be a drag queen, and I am many things, and someone who will do anything for money is the first thing I am. And I... I tell the story in my other show. There's flyers for that at the back. There's a paid show at the Pleasance. It's a bit more detailed, but I was a drag queen for six months, and it was an amazing experience. It was fucking weird and bizarre, because I don't know if you guys really acknowledge this, but in Canada, before 2009, homophobia was cool. Feel that silence? <laughs> we've made progress as a society. We have a long way to go, but we've gone from gay people are bad to you don't like gay people, that's bad. In quite a short amount of time, and I think that's very progressive. I think that Europe, you guys are aware of that a bit sooner than Canada, but Canada, you see, here's the thing with Canada, is Canada ruled over by Justin Trudeau, a man in a nice shirt that every woman in here is just going, mm, mm. <laughs> By the way, he's not a good leader. He is as qualified as Donald Trump. He has done as much as Donald Trump. He's an environmental criminal, and also his wife keeps singing in public, and I don't know why, but that <laughs> bothers the fuck out of me. <laughs> She keeps acting like she's a celebrity, but she, she's not. She's just the prime minister's wife. And in Canada, it's not the same relationship as the first lady in America. It's similar to here, where you're the prime minister. You just, just could you do some work, please? Justin Trudeau, he, I've seen more photos of that guy fucking kite surfing than I have seen him behind a desk going, no. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm paying for this shit. Anyway, so I'm at Paddington Station a week before Brexit. I'm absolutely panicked. I am. I can't find a place to lock up my bike. And then I see a man. He wasn't wearing a suit as much as it seemed like he fell asleep in a suit. And now he just woke up near a bin and he's going to get his bicycle. He had a neon yellow helmet and weird white hair and, and like a cold sore right there. And I said, excuse me, sir, are you taking your bike or did you just arrive? And he went, oh, I'm, uh, I'm retrieving my bicycle. And I was like, is that Boris fucking Johnson? And it was Boris Johnson. And I'm like, what do you do here? Because I don't like him, but I need his bicycle space. <laughs> so he goes to unlock his bike, and then he goes, there you are. And, and I went, thank you. And then I went, are you Boris Johnson? And he went, indeed I am. And then I, I don't know why, but I just stuck out my hand and then he stuck out his hand, and then we started shaking, and I went, I don't know why I'm shaking your hand. I don't like what you're doing. <laughs> and then he said, I don't know why you're shaking my hand either. And I went, okay. <laughs> and then we just held hands for a little while. It was a very odd moment in my life that I've told two people in my life because I'm very embarrassed by it. I just, uh, here's the thing. He has charisma. This is something that he does. He has, how else could he have gotten that far based on his resume? He was a guy who went to Oxford who basically ruined restaurants, was friends with assholes, became the mayor of London, got the Olympics, but that's about it, 
And now he just hangs out. Like, what is he's the home secretary? No, Foreign secretary. Foreign secretary is he's ambassador's diplomatic relations, right? It's parliamentary democracy in Canada, but we give it different names, so I keep getting confused. Also, foreign secretary does sound like a really, really, really evil job. Like you're the guy writing down for white supremacists which foreign people die next. I'm just saying that's what it sounds like to me, especially when you're a colonial superpower, which Britain is. It does sound like you guys have a plan, and it's going to get weird. Anyway, so I shook Boris Johnson's hand, and he walked away, and then uh, Brexit happened. And I wish I could cut off my hand. <laughs> but it's my wanking one, and I'm going to need it because it's been a stressful year, hasn't it? Nope. Not for you. <laughs> what is your name, my man? Mike. What do you do, Mike? Uh, software engineer. Very good. I like how software, software engineers have gone from being a reviled profession to everyone being like, stick with him, he'll have money. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> you say that, but the future will be online, correct? Yeah, it's going that way. What do you know that we don't know? <laughs> What's the name of your company? If you say Skynet, I'm going to have to kill you. Uh, fluid Gravity Engineering. Still not good. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of software do you engineer? Um, it's stuff that goes into the European Space Agency, so how the... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you picked up on that as well, right? There were two massive red flags in that sentence. One, stuff. Two, European Space Agency? Yeah. Like the European Union has a space army? I suddenly think leave may have been not the worst idea. Joking, fuck you, joking. Um, what is the European Space Agency? Have you guys heard of the European Space Agency? Well, pardon me. <laughs> Sorry, guys, that's not written about in The Guardian. They're too busy both needlessly blaming and also praising Jeremy Corbyn in every article. So it makes it very difficult to read because you're always like, I don't know what side I'm supposed to be on, but man, is this a good recipe. Uh, so what a European Space Agency is sending Europeans into space? No. Well, then why don't you tell me what it is? Um, it sends probes to other planets. So it sent a probe to Mars that you may have heard of. Is it, the one, is it the one that you guys misprogrammed, that you programmed the, uh, the landing? I didn't <laughs> <laughs> you, So one of the Mars probes, they programmed, uh, I can't remember how it was, they programmed the machine to work only in, to work in miles, but they programmed the landing in feet? So, no, 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 no. okay, what was uh, it? They, it's the best fuck up ever. Uh, so it was a collaboration with the Americans. So okay. <laughs> yeah, but what year? Uh, it was five years ago or something. So it was Obama, so it was cool. <laughs> so we. I understand he was not the best president, yeah. but listen, fucking given the situation America's in right now, give me Obama on his worst fucking day when he was literally going around and just starting fights with everyone and not leading his political party and just making sure that certain things happened that fell to his own interest because he was one of those people that was building his post presidential career from the day he got into office. Now I understand that's not necessarily how you run a country, but quite fucking frankly, at least he actually knew what a president meant. <laughs> so it was a collaboration between the European Space Agency don't worry we're going to get to stuff in a second between the European Space Agency and the Americans what happened? Uh, so because we're scientists uh, we okay <laughs> let's not act like Europe has never had any weird ideas where was the guy who thought the earth was flat? No one thought the earth, no scientists thought the earth was flat. The Romans knew that the earth was round and the scientific community knew that. <laughs> you win this round. <laughs> Why wasn't there any scientists on the boats that were concerned that they would fall off the edge of the earth? That was a myth. Was it? Hero of Alexander proved it in 1000 BC. Well played. <laughs> He really brought books to this book fight, my friend. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm having a great time, mostly. <laughs> I'm fine being wrong as long as I know the other guy is right. He's clearly right. Because he's not saying it in that like, nah, nah, nah. he's just saying it in the like, let me hold your hand. 
What did you study in university? Theater? Okay. <laughs> Not all the world's a stage. <laughs> Mars probe. Mars probe. So we use metric units. The American used imperial and naturally once you convert... Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and no one was like, check that? Um, Americans are quite arrogant, you know. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm sitting in a chair. <laughs> oh my fucking god! So what was what was Imperial? What was Metric? Or they just misprogrammed and it fucking buried itself? Um, the Americans were responsible for incorporating some software into the also known as stuff. Yeah. <laughs> into the device, and naturally, it, did, it wasn't compatible without making changes, so it crashed. How much did that cost? Uh, in total, the device itself cost 400 million. But once you... Uh, One football player's salary. <laughs> Imagine how good the World Cup could have been that year, guys. So the device itself was 400 million. What else? What was the total cost? If you factor in everything else going into it. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, 1.8 billion. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Why are we shooting a 1.8 billion thing into space? Why aren't we just lining that money up and looking at it? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you at home, I pointed the microphone towards the scientist as if he would have an answer to that and not a condescending, oh, fuck off kind of look. <laughs> Because what he's basically saying is they were trying to get us off of this planet because some people, let's call them human beings, have really messed it up and we may need to go somewhere sooner than later because when the wildfires start, they may never go out. <laughs> science for science's sake, so... Uh, what does that mean? That sounds like something from Terminator. <laughs> I mean, uh, everyone believed that electricity was a useless thing and the... Not me, mate. Not me and my friends. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to have science for science's sake so you can get new inventions everywhere and it's how the society moves forward otherwise you're in North Korea and you can't go forward wow pretty harsh thing said about North Korea there <laughs> like I, from what I've read uh, in a book by Kim Jong-un <laughs> it's a very free and open society well, of course it would be. It's ruled over a man that was birthed out of a rainbow by a virgin mother. And then there was a star, Sean, and three wise men showed up and gave him gifts. I know what you're thinking. I don't think that was Kim Jong-un. Yeah, he ripped off his origin story from the Bible. <laughs> um, the North Korea thing is really terrifying me. For no other reason than China has come in to be the level head. Now, I'm not here to prejudge anyone's, let's say, human rights records. But when China is acting as the calm voice of peace, we're fucked, right? That's like Russia being the planners for the pride parades internationally. You're just like, what's going on now? Um, what, are you, what is the stuff you put into probes that go into space? Do you know a man named Flash? Is there someone who walks around your office in a black vest followed by a rug? It's a Han Solo reference. It was a bit too badly described. But I liked it. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. Didn't answer the question. <laughs> so what do you program into the devices? Uh, so it's the re-entry of the uh, devices. So what we do is model the re-entry through atmosphere. That is before the parachute is deployed, if anyone heard about the most recent probe. <laughs> we didn't. But let's hear about it now. <laughs> The show has not begun. <laughs> we will begin soon. But I, I've never had a spaceman in my crowd before. <laughs> I've never had, you know, the guy in every science fi fiction show the captain goes to visit where there's a problem and he's always in a slightly dirtier room than the other rooms in the ship. And he says, damn it, and then throws a device and goes, that'll fix it. How lucky that we have this at the last minute. You're like the bones to my Kirk, and that I know nothing and have confidence, and you're actually smart and should be in charge. I just mispronounced the word smart. What is going on? 
also uh, think you mean Spock, not Bones. Okay, you're absolutely incorrect. <laughs> In many a realm, you are correct, sir. But I think you'll find if we go via the original series and not that bullshit J.J. Abrams created with an alternate timeline, which it literally they fell apart with at the second time, if Spock both exists in this reality and another reality, wouldn't that Spock just go, here's all the things that are going to happen, here's how it would slightly shift instead of showing up every once in a while in a parka and go, <laughs> also, Khan doesn't look like Benedict Cumberbatch. Khan, no matter how he was born, no matter how the timeline would have shifted, would still have been Ricardo Montalban. He still would have had weird, crazy abs and black hair. I understand none of you give a fuck about this as much as I do. But listen, we all have our passions. Some of you love news and politics. I secretly post on Reddit under the name Crow's Feet about Star Trek all the time. <laughs> The reason why I didn't say Spock is because Spock is the level-headed advice one but never has any devices. Well, Bones is always the one at the last minute who gets very angry and when they have to go into sick bay and then he does some sort of weird surgery, for example, in one of the movies where they reprogram uh, one of the, um, uh, type, uh, what the fuck is it called, one of the torpedoes to be a time torpedo as opposed to one that just explodes on impact. And I think you'll find Science Zero Hastings One on information that is absolutely unimportant. <laughs> So what happened with the most recent probe? Up. Oh. Are the cops coming for me? Because I'm so right. <laughs> so most recent probe. Has um, anyone else heard of this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been on Have I Don't. Got News For You and all sorts of things. Come on, mate. You can't believe anything Ian Hislop says. <laughs> it's so hard to listen to him. He's just so cute. Here's a question for the women in the room. Who, of all the ladies, who do you find more attractive, Paul Merton or Ian Hislop? It's Ian Hislop every fucking time. It's the most fascinating thing. And apparently they have a bit of a problem with it because Ian Hislop gets a lot of lady-centric fan mail. Paul Merton, not so much. And I can absolutely see it because Ian Hislop looks like the kind of guy that, you know, you bang one out and he goes, there's tea already prepared. <laughs> so, uh, once again, the probe crash-landed. Yeah, it did. Yep. At 300 miles per hour. Oh, shit. Did it hit anything? Mars. <laughs> Man, we are really fucking up that planet before we even move there, huh? So, this time, it was a problem with the parachute deploying. It deployed something like 50 meters above the um, surface, and the thrusters didn't fire. Like, I'm not a scientist. I don't know if you guys can tell. I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> when is the parachute supposed to open? Uh, something like three miles up. That's a real fuck-up, eh? <laughs> what happened in the office the day it crashed? In my office, we were happy because our part worked. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the greatest answer to that question. <laughs> Did you guys go sneak over to the parachute department and kind of just like all dress up like MC Hammer? He wore parachute pants and <laughs> and just sort of hang around. Just kept walking up and dropping things off a desk. Oh, how far away is this? Ha! They're in Brussels. <laughs> yeah, so even if you flew over, they wouldn't understand the joke. They just explained to you that that's not the probe. <laughs> I anyone here Belgian? Anyone here been to Belgium? Yeah. yeah. Did you find that they were the most literal people you've ever met in your entire life? <laughs> I, performing stand-up comedy for them was a maddening experience. Because I literally had someone stand up and went, I don't believe what you just said. <laughs> what I had said, by the way, was I once was on a bus and I saw a homeless man fart so loud it knocked over a child. <laughs> Now, that's not technically, he didn't knock over the child, but I did see a homeless man fart directly on a child, and the child went, ugh, but that's not as funny as knocking over a child. If you start pulling at the strings of anything artistic, it unravels very quickly. Hence, silence. I think it's time to start the show. Scientist, what is your name? Mike. Full name? Michael. <laughs> You win again. Uh, are you a doctor? Yeah. Doctor. Doctor. <laughs>
Dr. Yep. Oh, man. So, who did you end up killing in the parlor with the candlestick? <laughs> it's called the Game Clue. And if I need to explain it, I'm going to die of old age. Have you ever played the Game Clue? Clue Clue It's called what? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm looking this fucking up. If it is a North American invented game, it's called Clue. What did you guys call it? Cluedo? Doesn't sound like. Very glad I didn't misspell the word Clue. I thought I had. I think it totally is. And right now I'm just feigning indignation and rage about it <laughs> for comedic purposes. Um, have you ever spent any time in Belgium? <laughs> You're all right, it's called Cluedo here. So you guys just didn't like that joke. Uh, Dr. White, if you could take the jar that is next to you with these small pieces of paper in it, please open it. Please select a piece of paper. Whichever one. Perfect. Don't read it yet. Now, you, sir. Myself, London friend. What is your name? Matty. Matty? Yeah. Matty, how would you like Dr. <laughs> By the way, when you say Dr. like that, you sound like a Bond villain. Dr. How would you like Dr. to read the title of today's episode? Deep and mysterious. Deep and mysterious. Are you up to that, my man? I'll give it a good go. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Where are you based, by the way? St. Andrews. Oh, very good. Silence for St. Andrews. What a weird town St. Andrews must be, just golf people and scientists. Man, the bar fights must be weird. <laughs> Non-violent, but the fashion choices are devilish. Uh, the microphone is yours, Dr. Upside down. Already mysterious. <laughs> Jaws meets Harry Potter meets the bell jar. Say that again. Jaws meets Harry Potter meets the bell jar. Very good. I'm 32 years old, and turning 32 is very interesting. It's the first time I've ever felt like an adult, but it's also the first time I've noticed that I am now not the bottom generation and that there's generations below me and they judge my references and cultural loves harshly and rudely. And it's made me a lot closer to my parents because I can now understand how they felt at my age when I was like, mom, Dr. Zhivago can go fuck itself. I was a very rude kid. And it's very strange. So who here would say is between 20 and 25? I have so many questions for your generation. First of all, what is dabbing and why the fuck are you doing it? What the fuck is that? I don't know what it is. It's an American thing. It's an American thing. Who's Skipper the Flipper? If he's not a dolphin, he's needless. He was a human being? And do you guys keep doing it? Like, I don't know what this is. It's not your day today. I said, I don't want to judge you, but I could have guessed that probably. <laughs> but what is the point of it? Why do you do it? You just do it to show that you're cool? I don't know. Like... Yeah, I don't actually know. No one, knows. no one knows. I keep asking people that are younger than me, and they just keep going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> it's like the iPad. No one needs an iPad. Who here has an iPad? <laughs> do you also have an iPhone? No. What? <laughs> Please tell me you have like a brick phone, like a Nokia 720. I have something called a Huawei that no one has ever heard of. Where did you buy this? Thailand? China. You bought a discount China phone? <laughs> Are you a spy? <laughs> Are you here hunting Dr. White? <laughs> You're just going to break his neck with your thighs and do a backflip out the window? It's a reference to the movie GoldenEye, which the people under 25 do not remember, but the people of my age are all nodding along because that was our first Bond film, which is why we have a soft spot in our heart for Pierce Brosnan, even though every other Bond film he made was literally... Here's how you could have improved upon a Pierce Brosnan Bond film. It was just him taking a shit for two and a half hours. They played the song, 
he would say something quippy, but it was a rock hard, solid, sharp shit. That would have been better than Die Another Day. Die Another Day's plot was he goes to North Korea and then someone gets diamonds in his face and Madonna's there and I want my fucking money back. <laughs> um, but yeah, dabbing, I have no understanding what that is. Also, what is Snapchat? What do I... You don't do that to me. Fuck you. <laughs> it's just messaging without the words, which is great. Is it? Yeah. All right. I guess I guess you're not allowed to have different opinions. <laughs> so it's just messaging with different pictures. But then why does the message go away? I need to save my messages because here's how I check my phone. That's important. That's important. That's important. Read that again. If it goes away, I'll just be like, I'll call them and be like, can you resend your tits? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I remember Snapchat in its first form was literally was told to me I was single for about two and a half, three years as internet dating exploded. And that was just a time of... It's not so much exploration as Canada is a very chaste place. It's, it's very Puritan in a lot of ways. So a lot of things are done behind closed doors. In Europe, in general, everything's a lot more open. If you're an adult, have some casual sex. Wear a condom, shake hands, leave. <laughs> and some of you disagree, especially with the shake hands comment. That was very creepy. <laughs> it was lovely boning you, madam, and I will, I will see you anon. But... When I remember Snapchat came out, it was literally one of my many creepy dude friends was like, you got to get this app Snapchat. That way you can send photos of your penis to ladies when they ask for them, but they won't have the photos forever. And I was like, I'm not going to send my fo photos of my penis ever. I just don't feel like that's something I want to learn how to photograph. <laughs> I eventually did because it was requested. Here's one thing I don't understand about your generation. Have you gotten unsolicited dick pics yet? You have? Who are these men? I have no fucking idea. I want to have a meeting with every straight man of just being like, fellas, what, 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 what do you think that's going to accomplish? Have you ever seen someone take it out in society and it ended up in sex? No. It's actually not true. I have one friend who has done that and it worked. Here's why. It's the biggest penis I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm including pornography. It is like, it goes from impressive to that's got to be a lot of work. <laughs> and I have literally seen him at a party just be like would you like to see it and actually that's not true he asks first because it's unsol I don't understand gentlemen in this room you don't need to be honest if you don't want but who here has perhaps photographed their flower and sent it digitally <laughs> you have have you always done it upon request yes you have to think about that yeah. <laughs> a couple of times you've thought about it but judgment well, you know Is it? Yeah, because like every time some guy sent me his dick and they're like, what's yours doing? And it's kind of like, uh. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh. And we all wondered where the show would go. So it's like a tit for tat kind of thing? It's, it's really weird. It's that is really weird. He was really hot. Brother, I am not judging you at all. <laughs> Just because we are of different sexual orientations does not mean that I am not utterly fascinated by the fact if someone sends you a dick pic, you're under some social obligation to be like, well, I guess I'll have to send him one now. It felt like I was just sitting on this information that, that I didn't really earn, and he was like, can I see yours? And it was kind of like, tight, yeah, sure, why not? So that kind of, kind of happened, and I immediately regretted it and never did it again. So. Wow. Really killed the energy of this show, my friend. <laughs> but that's all right. You don't need to do anything. Also, in those situations, if you feel inclined that you need to send someone a dick pic you don't want, a friend of mine threw this little tip at me, and it was great. Instead of sending a photo of your pride, just send a photo of a dick celebrity to them, and then be like, there's a dick pic, ha, ha, ha. And then it shifts the conversation away. Try it. Too bad for now. Pardon me? Thank you very much. I want you to send a photo of like Donald Trump and then be like, this comedian from Canada, John Hastings, told me this was as good as a dick pic. Now, he's never actually used Grindr except for one circumstance. Here's how we'll end the show. Uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily the funniest story, but it is, I think, the weirdest thing I've ever lived through. In uh, 2015, I didn't drink for the entire Edinburgh Festival. I just did it sober. 
which is I, and now I'm having like a beer every couple of days and it's way nicer because the tension is relieved. But if you don't drink up here, you don't have any sort of release valve. It gets to you because there's a lot of pressure. This show is very fun because it's loose and we can laugh and we can talk and stuff like that. But the other show I'm doing, it's a it's an hour I've worked on for an entire year and I want it to be good and I want people to like it. And some crowds just aren't into it. Sometimes the room is hot. Last night there was an evacuation of the venue. So a sold out show had 20 people and a reviewer in who, if I could describe his reaction, it was nonplussed he was a white man with dreadlocks and i hated him and he hated me and we both know why <laughs> my haircut is reasonable and his is racial appropriation although you can't say that but it certainly is and i only know that because i looked it up and said i don't like white people with dreadlocks and someone said you can't say that and i used the internet to win the argument even though i didn't have a leg to stand on <laughs> science am i right dr white yes. he nodded scientific fact boom <laughs> write it on mars and gossamer peer I had a stroke. Now, <laughs> so in 2015, how are we doing for time here? Do we have time for this bon mot? Oh, we certainly fucking do. Uh, the show is free to get in. It's not free to get out. I'll be at the back with a jar with flyers to my other show. It's a suggested donation of five pounds. If you don't want to give five pounds, fuck you, five pounds. Now, <laughs> we end on this. So it's 2015, and there was this guy visiting from Canada. He's a, uh, his uh, whole family is super rich. They own a bunch of property, so he never needs to work. So he's just a comedian, and by that I mean he goes to comedy festivals and tells his parents he was doing them, and then they keep paying him hundreds of thousands of Canadian dollars to live his life. It's a great life. I wouldn't really want to do it. He lives in a gilded cage and didn't know how to use a butter knife. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He also discovered that if you pee out the window, it went into an alley, so he just did that. It was weird. Anyway, so he got super drunk and we all met him and some of my other friends, they were super drunk and I was dead clean sober. And he said, listen, I have never uh, gotten a blowjob from a man, but I think I would like to do that. And we were like, well, Grinder exists. Let's make this happen. And so we barbacked him. We got on Grinder. May I say, very aggressive app. Yeah, I'm used to Tinder, which is very sort of calm and nice. And what are you here for? Oh, that's nice. Grinder was, do you want to fuck? <laughs> and also, that, by the way, someone criticized us because all of his photos were just of his face. And someone was like, I need to see a dick before I commit. And I was like, guys, this is a little full on. Anyway, he got to talking to someone for about five minutes and the guy was like, oh, cool. I would really like to uh, make this happen for you. I'm on the way. And uh, so we have five minutes and we're in the, the South Sider Social over there and we're sitting there and I was like, I don't know if we should be here for this. I think it'll be a little weird if there's just three dudes just staring. Like, I'm like, <laughs> like we should just let this happen. And then the guy who had initiated went, I think this has gone too far. I don't want it to happen now. And I was like, well... I don't know what we do in this situation. I've never canceled sex before. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if it's a good idea. I think my girlfriend would be upset. That's when I was like, wait, you have a girlfriend? I thought, and I was like, I thought you were just coming to grips like with an aspect of your sexuality, like you were bi. And he was like, no, I was just saying something funny to make you guys laugh. And then you, ju you just rolled with it. And I was like, yes, well, we all do have a background in improv and that first tenant is yes anding. So we, um, we quickly jumped on Grinder, and uh, I was, because I was sober, I composed, uh, hey, his girlfriend just showed up. Um, he, uh, he's a little awkward all of a sudden, so I'm really sorry, uh, but, uh, but it's off. And then he wrote, why are you typing for someone else? Why isn't he talking? And I was like, oh, yeah, we didn't. We were writing it in his voice, not our voice. Now he thinks this is a prank. And then I did something even stupider. I was like, listen, we're still here. If you come in, we'll explain the situation. And then he went, why is there we? And I was like, you're raising a lot of very good questions. <laughs> <laughs> and then a guy walked in and I assumed it was him. So I stood up and I said, sir, let me explain. <laughs> And he said, what do you need to explain? And I was like, listen, we thought this guy was bi and he was trying something. He's not. He has a girlfriend. It was just a joke that got out of hand. And he said, who do you think I am? I'm the manager of this pub. <laughs> Guys, you've been a great audience. Enjoy the rest of your French. I'll see you at the back. Bye-bye.